Thanks for joining us today on the LaunchPoint Church Podcast. We believe the Bible is the written Word of God, without error and useful for every part of our daily lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the Word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. For more information about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube, as well as visit our website at www.launchpoint.church. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the message. God's good, amen? Amen. We talked last week. Now I'll actually start preaching. Uh, we talked last week, I was pretty pointed that I'm going to be talking about faithfulness for the next, for the next five weeks, what it is to be faithful. And I started last week with God is faithful. And I started with God is faithful to set a foundation for why we should be faithful. If God is faithful, and according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1-9, He is, it says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. And because God is faithful, He has the right, the right to expect faithfulness from us. Amen? And so with that in mind, it's my intent to talk about for the next four weeks what it is we should be faithful to. There's probably a thousand things, but I'm going to narrow it down to four, hoping to cover as small and subsections as I can within those four. But the first thing is that God has called us to be faithful to the Word of God. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to say it as vehemently as I said it the first time. He has called us to be faithful to the Word of God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 reads like this. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ is publicly portrayed as crucified? What a weird way to talk to a room full of Christians. Right? fact of the matter is the church has not been faithful to the word of God since way back in the beginning to some degree and Paul tells the Galatians or asks the Galatians a question who has bewitched you that is who has cast a spell upon you that you've not remembered who you are if you're not familiar with the letter to Galatians, the letter to Galatians was written because Judaizers were coming in and teaching falsely. He is talking about being bewitched by false teaching. He's not talking about somebody casting a spell, somebody wearing a cape and a pointed black hat with a mole on their nose. He's not talking about witches. But let me tell you, when we don't be faithful or to be faithful to declare the Word of God the way we should, we cast spells on our hearers and they become deceived in what we tell them. The world's upside down right now because the big C church largely, largely has allowed themselves to sit under spell-binding preaching. They have allowed people to cast spells on them to sit under the bewitching ministry of other ministers. If you'll look at our word, our world, our world is the way that it is because it's not been faithful to the word of God. Every place that the society falls short, and I'm going to say that again, every place that society falls short, 
It's because the church fell short. Did you know there was a time in America where there weren't strip clubs? Where there, weren't, there wasn't an alcoholic bar or store on every corner? That there wasn't abortion clinics? Name the thing wrong with society right now. And there was a time when the church, because of they were faithful to the Word of God, stood opposed to those things. And when they stood opposed to those things, those things didn't exist in society. And so as you've heard me say before, our lack of faithfulness to the Word of God has called us, caused us, to take a step back where we should have taken a step forward and the truth of the matter is that all of these places exist by permission of the local church. Now that's tough. That's not fair. It's exactly fair because they didn't exist. We became silent. They started to exist. Let me tell you, society exists within a vacuum. Either godliness is going to exist in that society and godliness will fill that vacuum or those who should be godly will pull themselves out of that position and worldliness will fill that vacuum. But that vacuum will not remain void. And we have stopped being faithful to the Word of God. And we're called to go back to it, faithful to the Word of God. Amen? I know you're all, man, Pastor Jim, that's tough. It is tough. It's going to get tougher. Hold on a second. Why should we be faithful to this Word? There's three reasons why it's necessary that we know this Word, that we're faithful to this Word. Number one, it's God's revelation of Himself to His people. The Word serves three primary purposes. It's the revelation of the nature of God to His people. I am convinced that the reason people struggle, the reason people suffer, the reason people don't have peace, the reason people are afraid is because they don't understand the nature of God. If we understood the nature of God, we know we would know that He holds us, that He protects us, that He is love, that He holds us in His righteous right hand, that He watches after us. All of these things we would know because we know the Word of God. But because we don't know God's nature, we take what we do know and we manipulate it to make it look like our nature so that we can in fact do whatever it is we want to do. I hear people say all the time, the Bible says God is love. Did you know that? doesn't say God likes to love or God is partially love or God has some love in him. It says God's very nature is love. And because we don't pay attention to the fact that God's very nature is love, we mold it and conform it to what we think love looks like. And we say something like a loving God wouldn't do insert whatever. Let me tell you, if your insert whatever is contrary to the Word of God, you're not faithful to the Word of God and you need a better understanding of the nature of God. If there's ever a question about the difference in your life and this Word, trust me, it's your life, not this Word that's lacking. That's the first thing, revelation of God's nature to His people. The second thing is his, it is His redemptive plan seen in His Son, Jesus Christ, both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. From cover to cover, from front to back, every single page is about the redemptive plan of God through 
the Son of God, Christ Jesus, both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. We see as a shadow the sacrifices that are necessary to ensure the holiness of people in the Old Testament. Personified in Christ Jesus is the reality in the New Testament. God gave us a promise at the beginning of the fall that he would send a seed. He, in fact, did send a seed, amen, in Christ Jesus. And he finishes it when he takes us home at the end of Revelation. Everything within the Word of God is about Christ Jesus' revelation to us. And we should be faithful to know what Christ Jesus has done for us. So it's a revelation of God's nature. It's a revelation of God's redemptive story. And it's a revelation of God's expectation of holiness towards his people. Mm, holiness. That one messes us up, tears us up, sends us sideways and backwards because we like to do what we want to do. But we're not bound to what we want to do. We're bound to what the Word of God tells us to do. If you are a Christian, you should follow this Word. There is an expectation that God has on your life to be holy, to be separate, to be set apart from the world. Amen? I can read this to you in Scripture, Hebrews 1 and 2. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, 14 and 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Which means that unholiness that you lived in, don't conform to that anymore. But like the only one who called, but like the holy one who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So here's the questions in regard to the revelation, is do we desire to know God? Do we desire to understand the love displayed by Him through Christ Jesus? And do we desire to walk in holiness? Yes or no? Yes. Then guess what? We have to be, become intimately familiar with and faithful to the Word of God. Because if that's what the Word does, then we should be faithful to it. Faithful. You're using this word a lot. What does it mean? It means unshakable, true, trustworthy. Because God is unshakable, true, and trustworthy. There's three ways that I think, three overarching ways, there's probably a thousand but three ways most significantly that we become faithful to the Word. First one, being faithful to the Word means knowing the Word. Did y'all hear me? John 8, 31-32 says this, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, so He's talking to people who have believed, If you continue... That is, remain in my word. If you abide in my word, if you live in my word, if you chase after my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's three things here I need you to pay attention to that we all need to pay attention to, that I myself need to pay attention to. One, I can't do anything or consider myself a disciple at all if I'm not if I don't continue in the Word. How many of you guys read your Bible every day? Please don't raise your hand. 
Most of the church doesn't. This is God's revelation, expectation of holiness, what He did through His Son Christ Jesus and who He is. If we get to have confidence at all, it's confidence in this Word. People are all, man, I'm dragging my feet, I'm depressed, I'm working through this, 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 and the other thing. Open up the Word of God and let the Word of God comfort you, speak to you, show you what you look like versus a, as opposed to what you should look like. That's the purpose of the Word of God. When we do that, we show that we are disciples. That means that we belong to Him. What do disciples do? Disciples follow. You're going to call yourself a Christian. You ought to walk as Christ walked. I got a grandson. I had a grandson over here a minute ago. <laughs> and he walks like his daddy. He's too young to understand what mimicking is, but he walks like his daddy. You know why? Because he's a disciple of whatever his daddy is teaching him. And so he follows him. And in following Him, He learns from Him. And in learning from Him, He should, if this example is correct, and Christ is correct, should throw off anything that doesn't look like Him. And so should we. We should throw off anything that doesn't look like Jesus. The Bible tells us, take off the old self, put on the new self. And so the question would have to be, read, if I read my Bible and I find something in there, and I'm like, oh, I still deal with that. Or, depending on how long you've been in the faith, I didn't even realize I wasn't supposed to be doing that. Allow that to filter through your life and then set it down. Don't walk in the worldly lusts of your flesh. Set it down. And in setting it down, according to this, the third thing you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Mm. You hear that all the time, but what does it mean? Well, to know what that means, you got to go back to who you were and try to remember that. I was bound, slave to sin before I knew Jesus. And by slave to sin, I mean I did what my sin told me to do. If I desired it, I chased it. And as I chased it, it chained me down to where I wanted to chase it more. Whether it be addiction, adultery, any sin, any sin that starts small will not remain small. The very nature of sin is to become overcoming and ultimately create bondage and death. I know a lot that goes against a lot of us because we think, well, it's just this little small thing. It's just a little small thing right now. It's not that far a distance from me and this girl at the office are talking to me and this girl are meeting in a hotel room sleeping together. Even if there were 15 steps between the talking in our office and the sleeping together. Because this little sin, this flirty sin turned into a little bit something worse, into a little lunch, into a coffee, into a meeting, from a meeting into adultery. This thing happens small. We need to, and it enslaves us. But Jesus broke the yoke of slavery over us 
broke the slavery of sin over us. We're now in bondage to Christ, but that's okay. You know why? Because Christ is for our good. He offers goodness and mercy to us. And if I had to be a slave to something, I'm going to be a slave to a master that is merciful and gracious and loving, kind and compassionate. Not, some, not a sin that's going to destroy me, but that is ultimately the result of that sin. So we walk not in our sin, but in freedom when we walk as disciples. Romans 6.14, For sin shall not, not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Romans 6.22, But now, having been freed from sin, enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. Amen. God's good. Do you know how I know all that stuff? Because I'm faithful to the Word. People ask me all the time, pretty regular, not all the time, pretty regular, how do you stand up there and so boldly declare? I'm one of, I like to consider myself one of those pastors that doesn't declare my own opinion. The more I read the Word, I just throw this up. I regurgitate this. So confidence isn't in me. Confidence is in this. We should be faithful to the Word. But let me tell you, you have to know the Word so that you can walk in the confidence of the Word. So what confidence is there in the Word? Let me, let, me, let me read some pieces of text to you. Isaiah 41.10, He is with me. Isaiah 26.37, He keeps me in perfect peace. Deuteronomy 31.8, He will never leave or forsake me. Psalm 32.8, He will continue to teach me. Isaiah 40, 31, He will renew my strength. Philippians 4, 8, He gives freedom from anxiety. Exodus 14, 14, He will fight for me. Proverbs 8, 10, He is my protection and strong tower. And I could go on and on and on with the promises and the benefits of God but I don't have access to the things that I don't know. I can't have trust and faith in the things I haven't heard, the things I haven't read for myself, the things I haven't meditated on. We have to be faithful to God's Word so that we know what is available to us. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you guys need renewed strength? And if you don't need it right now, I have needed it. How many of you need peace? How many of you need protection and the knowing that God can be a strong tower to you, which means you have a right to run to him in your time of problems and despair, that he holds you in his righteous right hand, which means he holds you and lifts you above the tumultuous stuff going on in your life. God is all of these things. And you know how I know that? Because I'm faithful to the word. We sway, we sin, we conform to the world, 
when we're not faithful to the word. Mm. Which leads me to my second point. We can't be faithful to the word if we aren't obedient to the word. And the world of society today doesn't like obedience a whole lot. Because we, we have issue with authority. I don't care. God calls us to obedience. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you're not familiar with it, I'd, I'd recommend go read it. You're going to find a couple of things. Actually, you're going to find, I've been told 19 things. I haven't studied them. Uh, but I was told between services today, hey, there's 19 faith statements in that in that chapter. So let's believe that's true. You're going to find 19 different times that people heard the voice of God, responded appropriately in obedience, and were blessed because of their obedience. You're going to see, by faith, Abel was obedient to give the good sacrifice. By faith, Noah prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. By faith, Abraham left what he always knew for a promise. By faith, they walked in obedience and did and were blessed. By faith, Sarah conceived, fulfilling God's promise to Abraham. By faith, Moses left Egypt, left the Israelites, led the Israelites through the desert and delivered them to the promised land. All of these instances have a common thread. They all had faith and were obedient to the voice of God. And because of that, were blessed. You want to walk in blessing? Pastor Leonard says it all the time. You got to walk in obedience first. I'm going to say something that's contrary to popular churchism right now. But we serve an if-then God. You know, God loves me unconditionally. You serve an if-then God. The Bible says, if you declare Jesus Christ is Lord, then what? You shall be saved. There is a mandate for obedience before there's the pressing, the the promise of blessing. All throughout your scripture, you have to be obedient to the word of God to expect to receive the benefit from the word of God. Everybody all right? It looked like it took some of y'all back. You're wondering why you're not walking in the blessing that you should. It might have something to do with the obedience that you're not walking in. But there is benefit. Listen to this. Some of my favorite writings regarding obedience is in John chapter 14. Verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does that tell you? That tells you the proof of the love that you have for God is found in your obedience. Now, let me smear some grace on this. We all fall short. But we should all be repentant. Amen? We've been given grace, but we don't sin because of grace. May it never be is what Paul says. Grace that we've been given should provoke us to greater obedience. The love that Angela gives me provokes me to a greater obedience to her desires and what she wants from me. 
But it says very specifically, if you love me, the question is, do you love God? Then you'll keep my commandments. Verse 21, for he, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. So not only will it prove your love, but it will demonstrate and prove the fact that you're loved by God too. But it also says this, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Man, the first time I read that with any understanding, it blew my mind. In order for God to disclose himself to me, or for Christ to disclose himself to me through the Holy Spirit, I have to walk in obedience to the commandments of God. I can prove this to you in Scripture by example. You guys may or may not be familiar with the final discourse, but the final discourse is where Jesus was up in the upper room and he moves, transitions from talking to his disciples about service to what is actually about to happen. He tells them, listen, I'm about to go away. I'm about to be crucified. Don't worry. All this stuff. That's the final discourse. Prior to doing that, though, Judas is in the room. We hear people say, and it makes a cute t-shirt or whatever. I've actually seen somebody tattoo it on their body, and I wanted to ask them to remove it. It says, Judas ate too. And then I've seen Judas had his feet washed too. But you know what? Judas was never satisfied or full. And Judas was never clean. Because Judas, Judas didn't adhere to the commandments of God. In fact, after he ate, after he had his feet washed, before the final discourse, before God started to disclose himself to his disciples about the real plan, he dismissed Judas. And the very next verse, he starts to tell the disciples the plan. I hear people say pretty regular, and I know I'm over, but bear with me. I hear people say pretty often, I can't get revelation from the Word. I, don't, I read it and it just stares back at me. The very first question you should ask yourself is, am I being obedient to God and the Word that I do know? Because the obedience proves that you love God, that God loves you, that Christ loves you, and that He will disclose Himself to you. You've heard me say this before, but there's no special revelation for pastors. That makes some pastors fussy because they, they're all, some of them just, they like to feel important. There is nothing that I get from the Word of God that you don't have the ability to get from the Word of God. Do you know why I get what I get from the Word of God? Because I do the best I can to walk in obedience and I'm faithful to the Word of God. But you can too. Stop telling me why you can't and start being obedient to the Word of God. Amen? And then finally, number three, being faithful to the Word means declaring the Word. Guys, it's not enough for us to hold this message that we have. We have to tell somebody about it. This faithful series is my... 2024 plead to you. Be faithful. 
but be faithful to the word by declaring the word. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. You want to build faith in yourself? Read the word of God. You want faith to be built in those around you so that they may know Christ Jesus? Speak the word, declare the truth of the gospel to them. You want to counsel someone who's struggling? Declare the word to them that they might have comfort in their struggle. We have to declare the word because it is by the word that faith is grown. Amen? But we have a very specific message we've been called to declare. And that is the gospel message. And we ought to do it unashamedly. Listen, this isn't as much an altar call as it is a challenge, but it's also an altar call if you need it. The challenge is, be like Paul, for I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. Paul says, I tell the gospel. I tell people about Jesus. The reason I tell them about Jesus is because the mystery is that people are saved when I tell them. I can't explain that. How do people provoke to salvation by me saying some words? I don't know. But if I say them sincerely and the Spirit provokes them, they will be saved. It's the power of God unto salvation, whether I can explain the nuance or the specifics of how it happens. It just does. But we have to be true to declare it. And here's what we should declare. I can't start with Jesus loves you. Not to speak the true gospel. Because the declaration that Jesus loves me will call, and, and listen, for generations, that's what we've heard. And because of that, we've got a generation or two generations or maybe even three generations of people who will say, yeah, I get that. I love me too. But what it does is it disallows them to be able to see that they have a need in their life. So the fact is, God loves you. But the first thing they need to be declared to them is that there was a time when they were at enmity with God, that they are, in fact, if they haven't confessed Christ Jesus as Lord, still enemies with God because they walk in rebellion. They're reprobate. If you have, listen, if this is offensive to you, it's okay. It's supposed to be offensive. The gospel is offensive. Anytime you ask someone to turn from their direction they're going to another direction, it causes them to force a decision. And that decision is frustrating and angering. But let me tell you, it'll set you free even if it makes you mad first. So I tell them, listen, you deserve judgment for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. But God didn't intend you to stay in that situation. For he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because judgment was already on you, both by birth and by action, God sent his son so that whosoever believes shall be saved. The very next verse not to judge you, but because you were judged already. He desires to remove you from that judgment. Amen? Here's the beautiful thing. 
It didn't cost us anything except for belief. It cost God everything. It cost God His Son, Jesus. Incredible, un, ununderstandable. I know that's not a word. Pain and suffering and turmoil. So that we could simply say, so we can confess Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in our heart that God raised Him from the dead so that we might be saved. That's, isn't that amazing? He did all that He did, and the only thing we have to do is declare with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believing in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, and we shall be saved. Now, declaring Jesus Christ isn't enough, although it's the only way the only name under heaven by which a man can be saved. You have to declare Jesus Christ as Lord, which means you're going to be obedient to what He tells you to do. And you're not only going to have to declare Him as Lord, but you're going to have to do it while believing in your heart in faith that He actually is Lord. That the proclamation made in the Word of God of the work that He did on your behalf is true. And that He was raised from the dead and thus giving you the confidence to know that you won't see death either. Amen? That's the challenge. That's the challenge I want to give you moving into the next year. Listen, I'll be glad to tell your friends, your relatives the gospel. But I would so much prefer that you didn't bring them here to do it when you can do it. I tell people, Invite people to know Jesus and then invite them to church. That's my challenge. Declare to be obedient to the Word of God and to know the Word of God as we're faithful in the Word of God. Amen? Let's pray.